Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. I'm Tim Ryder. Back with me is my mesmerized brethren, Jacob Resnick, uh, reporting directly from Port St. Lucie. Jacob, how's it going, buddy? Live from the uh, the Holiday Inn Express in the, in Port St. Lucie. Doesn't doesn't get better than this. Nice. Uh, yes, you uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, just just gonna say it's you know it's it's absolutely beautiful down here, and uh, I, I definitely recommend every and all Mets fan if if able to to make it down here at least uh, at least once because it's it's great great atmosphere for the uh, the whole family for sure. Uh, any uh, what's your first impressions on the um, I guess the uh, the renovations at the field at Clover at Clover Park? So this is my either eighth or ninth, I believe eighth year um, in a row coming down here. And I was um, a little uh, disoriented and kind of shocked at, at how different things looked. Um, you know, the entire front of the stadium, uh, the entrance, the parking lot is, is renovated. Um, you know, and for, for me with uh, having credentials today, I, uh, the, the media entrance was in a different spot and, and, um, yeah, they really, I mean, it looks beautiful. I, I will say that it just, for someone who has been going down there a lot recently over the past few years, it, it just looks completely different. So, um, you know, j- job well done by the Mets, um, to, uh, to spruce up, uh, the stadium for sure. Awesome. Yeah. I can't wait to go check it out. I don't know if I'll be down during spring training, but, uh, I believe there's a summer trip in the works, but yeah, to, to, to be confirmed at a later date, but you were there on Sunday. Uh, you were covering the game for Metsmerized and, uh, you caught another really, uh, encouraging outing from Noah Syndergaard. Uh, he, he's really put together a fine spring. Um, he's had a hiccup here or there, but, uh, the control's been there. He's using all of his pitches, um, incredibly, um, effectively. Uh, I know we saw him on Sunday, uh, touching 98. Um, well, what were your takeaways? I know that. Uh, you got a little information regarding the uh, the half naked photo we saw of him on Saturday <laughs> floating around social media. So yeah, what well, what was your takeaways from Sunday? Yeah, well, you know the uh, the photo or the the video that that was uh, going viral on Saturday of him without without a shirt on and with those sensor nodes all over his body. That was more of the topic of discussion in the press conference after the game than his actual outing, um, which uh, you know Syndergaard himself may or may not have been too happy about, but, um, he did look great. Um, you know, outside of back-to-back doubles that he gave up, um, you know, he just looks like he's going about his business and he's really at the point of his career where it's just, you know, he knows what he has to do to get ready for the start of the season. Um, velocity is, is there. And if, if this is, um, his, you know, progressively ramping up velocity. I mean, our, I guess we're going to be seeing triple digits consistently, um, you know, come the start of the regular season. Um, he is throwing a slider a lot. Um, that's, that's his, uh, pitch that he's been working a lot more on. I think it's, it's more of a comfortability factor. And that's what, what, uh, he was talking about, what Luis Rojas talked about after the game. Um, I, I believe the slider was his fourth most used pitch after the, the sinker four seam and curveball. Um, so he, he's just trying to add the slider to have, have another weapon in the repertoire um, to, to rely on. Um, and it seems like he's been doing a lot of work with Jeremy Hefner. Um, Ro- Rojas said that so explicitly that they've been working on, on the slider and just getting him comfortable with the grip and 
um, you know, small tinkerings here and there. So, um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really excited for, for, uh, for his 2020 season. I think he's, you know, really been on the brink, uh, for the last couple of years. Um, you know, he had the injuries in the past and when he's healthy, he just seems like there's just one small piece missing and maybe it's, it's the slider. If, if the slider is, uh, uh, as, as lethal of a weapon as, as the sinker, then, um, you know, we could be seeing, a um, a new and improved Syndergaard in 2020. Well, the the slider looked just it was devastating on on Sunday. I mean, just in the uh, on the television broadcast, I guess his third and fourth strikeouts came on him, and boy, that thing was just it. it it's almost like a little quail. It just kind of floats <laughs> up and dies. It, it was really, it, really, it, it blew my mind the first time I saw it, and I think I even went on Twitter. I said, "Was that a was that a slider?" <laughs> like it, it was really that was um. It was impressive, and just another wrinkle to his arsenal is such a uh, a plus because I mean all of his pitches are are upper level pitches. I mean, this is a guy who can literally he can go into his bag of tricks and pull out just about anything. Um, it just yeah, he's really he's taking wonderful steps, and I'm curious to hear a little bit more about these nodes. Like, is this like a biomechanics kinetic chain type thing, kind of cleaning up mechanics? Yeah, so, you know, the reporters in the room were kind of prodding him for more information. I don't, he wasn't in the most talkative of moods, um, after, after the start, but, um, it seems like it's just kind of something they're experimenting with. Um, perhaps other, uh, other pitchers on the, on the, on the staff are kind of also doing that as well. Um, seemed like as far as, as Syndergaard was willing to, um, explain that what he was doing on Saturday was just kind of like establishing a baseline to, um, to use in the future as a comparison tool. But I think it's, it's definitely, um, more along the lines of what we've seen at like driveline camps and stuff like that, um, where they're really measuring everything down to, to the muscle movement and, um, all of the kinetics like that. So, you know, I don't know exactly what the, the scientific benefits of whatever they're doing are. And it seemed like, um, you know, again, Syndergaard wasn't really letting on that much about, about what the uses are. Um, but it didn't really seem like he knew the extent of the data that can be, um, you know, gleaned and processed from, from the, the those tools. So yeah, we'll see if, if that's something that, um, you know, is continues into the regular season. And if that's something he consistently, uses and and you know what benefit that has but um it, it definitely is interesting to see uh see the Mets using some of this uh advanced technology oh about time I mean um <laughs> I know he, he and I'm going to paraphrase but I know he kind of said it today is the more information the better and I really think that's the truth and um with the right I guess support system in place to kind of spread that information in a digestible way um I think it can only help did you have a chance to read Barry Bonds' conversation with Andrew Baggerly of The Athletic today? No, I didn't. Highly recommend it, but I don't want to get too far off topic. But Barry Bonds, of all people, put it in a, a perfect way. He's like, you know, information is information. That's all it is. And again, I'm paraphrasing. Again, I highly recommend anyone who has The Athletic or has access to it 
go ahead and check it out. It's a great read. But it's just information. It's what these guys do with it and how they can digest it. That's the the biggest hurdle. And uh, I wish I could remember the exact quote, but, you know, he could teach three different guys how to hit the way that he hit. But he's going to have to kind of explain it in a little bit different way to each guy because it's just it's the way baseball players and human beings are wired. It's just about kind of absorbing information, and uh, not everyone's the same. It's not just a, a, a linear thing. It's not a straight straight line for everybody. But um, yeah, I guess with the with the added information, uh, you know, you would think that it can only make this group stronger, and and we've seen it so far in the in spring training in the grapefruit league. I mean, the Mets as a pitching staff as a whole have the second best ERA in the, in spring training right now. That's throughout all of major leagues. It's 3.41 ERA. Uh, you have Noah who's, you know, just pitching very well, a lot of showing control like we were talking about earlier and all the way through the rotation. I mean, you have guys like, like Steven Matz who even, you know, missed a little time with a, a little bug. And he's still going out there firing off three perfect innings. The guys are really hitting their stride. And just, it almost like, for me, it points back to Jeremy Hefner that he's got these guys prepared and focused. And yeah, sure, it's spring training and it's only spring training numbers. But I mean, it's, it's such a, it's a good foundation. Just like Noah's getting his baseline information, everyone's getting their baseline information on a very broad scale. It's, you know, it's feet in the sand and move forward. And, uh, it just it really seems like this rotation's putting their feet in the sand in a in a in a stern way right now, and it's cool to see. I mean, um, what's the vibes around there? I mean, did you get a chance to see guys throw today on Sunday? Yeah, I should say? yeah, yeah. Um, so the the big thing I took away, and it's um, good that you brought up Hefner because um, I actually got to see Jacob Rehm, um throw a simulated. I guess technically it's a simulated game, but he really only threw 15 pitches. So a simulated inning is a better definition of it. Um, and, you know, obviously Rain is working back from injuries. He had the elbow surgery and he, he broke his foot. That was uh, reported that, you know, that was like a freak accident that happened. Um, and he came into the, the – it was, he was on a backfield. There was no one else around except for him and uh, the catcher. And Matt Adams was swinging against him and, um, he came in with, with Jeremy Hefner and, and Jeremy Accardo, who's the, uh, the assistant pitching coach. Um, and after he threw, you know, he just stood there and had a conversation with, with those guys, um, for, you know, a good five to 10 minutes afterwards. Um, and I really think that's, that's the huge benefit of, of bringing in someone like Jeremy Hefner, who's young and, and understands on a, um, a more recent basis what, um, these guys in the information era, what they need. Um, so I, I, it's only going to benefit, um, benefit the, the Mets pitching staff. Um, and when you were talking about the, that Barry Bonds article, you're, you know, referring to it as information. That's what we've heard Luis Rojas talk about it. It's information. And Jeremy Hefner talks about it as information. Um, so I, I think they, they've found a good balance. And obviously it's a long season and we'll see how it plays out, but they found a really good balance of, um, using the data, using the numbers, um, but translating it in a way that makes personable sense to these guys who don't really want to be inundated with, um, you know, math and, and that kind of stuff. So, 
um, I'm just really looking forward to seeing how it all plays out with, uh, with the new, the new coaches in place. And, and like you said, it seems to already be having benefits. It does. And, and just real quick, uh, Louis Rojas has been absolutely killing it this spring. Every time he speaks to the media, um, I know a big, a big part of his, his whole, I guess, introduction was about accountability. And boy, it seems like he's just being forthcoming with everything. Um, he just, accountability seems to be his game. Um, I'm very impressed so far. I know real games haven't even started, but you just look at the level of focus throughout this team. And sure, some of the big bats might not be hitting yet, but, um, it's spring training. Those are the type of spring training numbers only, you know, they don't matter until they do matter. And uh, I, I think I actually, I, I might have ripped that off from Baggerly's article today. I believe that was a lie. <laughs> Sorry, Andrew. Hey, but, uh, spr- spring training is for cliches. That, that's what spring, spring yeah, training is for. Oh, that's a good one. I want to write that one down. But, uh, <laughs> you know, um, just the level of focus that's here, um, these guys, you know, it almost feels like everybody knows that this is a good team. And, of course, this is speculation outside looking in. But, you know, the confidence is there, but so is the determination. At least that's what it looks like. You see guys going out there. and Like you said earlier, they're going out there and they're just doing their job. They're getting their reps in. But there's a certain level of, and I'm, I'm going to rip off Mickey Calloway here, there's a certain level of conviction <laughs> that we're seeing. It, there really is. I mean, just the quotes that you're hearing from guys, and it's almost like a loose demeanor. We heard it with the with the guys on mic this week, which was awesome uh, for anyone else who heard that. But there's, it's almost a you know a very casual, a very loose, like, hey, we're here having fun, but we're also here taking care of business, and that's that's uh, it's cool to see. It's almost like the culture changed immediately, <laughs> and then you got to think that that comes back to Louis Rojas, but but we shall see. Um, we saw Dylan Betances make his debut on Saturday. Um, are, any, are you concerned with, uh, with his, uh, his shakiness or his rustiness in his first outing? Um, normally I wouldn't be, but, um, given that the velocity was where it was, um, I mean, he topped out at 90 miles an hour, I think. Um, this is someone who's known for being a, mid to high 90s guy uh, in the past, um, it, it does worry me um, because I don't think, you know, six to seven miles per hour are just going to appear on his fastball between now and opening day. Um, so, you know, with how slow they've been taking it, um, I can't really believe that he's 100% healthy. I mean, he, he will probably be on the opening day roster, but, um, you know, I, I don't know if he's um, – going to be at the top of his game what we expect um from him given his past from from the the start of the season but but we'll see i mean he he seems confident that he'll be fine and so does rojas um and you know obviously there are still three weeks to go but uh it it certainly was uh unexpected to see um you know 88 and 89 popping up on the screen yeah, and, you know, I, I guess that was almost to be expected. Maybe not sub-90, but I, I was hoping for for low 90s. But he certainly looked crisp. I mean, he, he threw an off-speed pitch. I, I want to say it looked like a slider to me, but um, to strike out Starling Castro. And, boy, that thing was right on the edge of the plate, and it just had perfect little little break to it. And 
Um, you know, Starlin Castro is a, is what I would call a professional hitter. He's just, he might be a singles guy, but boy, he, he's a, a professional, he's an expert at putting the ball in play. And he, you know, he lunged the thing. And that was, um, that was impressive and encouraging to me. Um, I agree. He's probably not where anyone wants him, wants him to be at this point, including himself, but, uh, he'll, he'll get there. And I think he's going to be a weapon. And you know what? If he needs the first couple of weeks of the season to catch up, you know, I think this bullpen is deep enough that um, it'll allow for that. Uh, is it ideal? No, certainly not. But, um, you know, this is uh, these are the breaks. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful as well. I think um, his performance will go a long way in determining the, uh, the fate of the 2020 New York Mets. I mean, uh, just considering how bad the bullpen was last year, and you can make make the case, obviously, and we've talked about it in the past, um, that the uh, the performance of the bullpen in the the season long scope was what really stood between them and 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 the playoffs. Um, and in talking about 2020 and and the improvements the team made, and you know Brody Van Wagen has been talking talking them up a lot, and the chances is a big part of that, and obviously. We we know what he did in the past with the Yankees, but he missed basically an entire season last year, um, and it might not be realistic to expect him to be, um, you know, exactly the you know top five reliever in baseball that he was before. Um, so on paper, the bullpen looks very very good and, and improves with him in it, but um, you know there's certainly a wide range of outcomes for for how his season ends up going. Um, and it could just be a quick in and out for him because he has the, the opt out in his contract at the end of the season. So, um, there's certainly a chance we never, uh, you know, Batansis being a, a major part of the bullpen never gets actualized, but, um, you know, we'll see. And, and I'm probably getting, getting ahead of our, ourselves right now, but, um, you know, I certainly look forward to him being a, a big, big, uh, you know, cog in the bullpen over the course of the season. Oh, definitely. And, um, you know, you have to hope that Diaz is going to shake off his early spring uh, rust. And Familia, I mean, he has a – it's a low two ERA. I think it's an earned run through six innings. But um, he's kind of been all over the place. He's allowed six hits so far. Um, he's walking well, a few guys. But his stuff looks there. And Rojas was asked um, today about him specifically, even though he didn't pitch in the game. I think one of the – the reporters was doing a story on him um, and, and wanted some quotes from Rojas. And um, Rojas was very animated in talking about how much uh, Familia feels more comfortable um, with his new grip on his, I believe it's the, the splitter. Um, like Familia is excited about the new grip on the splitter and that makes Rojas excited. And that makes me excited. And I hope that makes you excited. Uh, Definitely. So I, I think, um, you know, Familia obviously – Probably can't be worse than he was last year, um, given the talent level we know he has. So, um, you know, I, I think we should expect rebounds from from all the guys who struggled last year. Uh, and then you have a guy like Jeff Lugo, who you know you know was was great last year, and, and you can expect him to do that again. So, um, definitely, definitely trending up. Well, I mean, and Brad Brock, who the Mets brought back on a, on a, you could say a team friendly deal. Um, For sure. he's, been, he's been extremely effective this spring. Uh, hasn't allowed an earned run through his first four appearances, six strikeouts, no walks. He's really, uh, he's shining, but I want to talk Justin about Wilson as well. 
for sure. Justin Wilson, I mean, he's going to be – dude, this bullpen is so deep. It's um, it's exciting. It really is. But uh, Erasmo Ramirez, right-hander, came – he's, I guess, through Boston last year. He was with Seattle previously. He's 29-year-old right-hander. Um, he's not really blowing anybody away this spring, but he's having a very solid grapefruit league with the Mets. Um, eight innings so far, 10 strikeouts, three walks. Uh, he struck out Brantley and, ooh, it was tip of my tongue. He struck out two big Astros hitters today and it really, it was, it was, um, very promising. And if, even if he doesn't crack the, the Mets roster out of camp, um, I think that, you know, the added depth in Syracuse, uh, the ability to come in and face major league hitters and get them out, that, that's a huge asset for this team, you, especially with the volatility of a bullpen. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting situation to me because if you look at, you know, the list of everyone who's in camp, um, outside of the big six, I'll call them DeGrom, Syndergaard, Stroman, uh, Mats, Porcello, and Waka, um, the guy with the next, um, you know, most experience as a starter in the major leagues is Erasmo Ramirez. Um, and, you know, he was signed by the organization with absolutely zero fanfare. Um, but he's, you know, the next, um, veteran depth option, um, in terms of starting pitching. So he's been solid. You know, I asked, uh, uh, Rojas about him after the game and, and he was very impressed with what he's seen so far. Um, you know, said he's mixing his pitches well, he, he has a good feel for his changeup, all that kind of stuff. Um, and they, they think that they really have a, a value guy, um, that will obviously be starting in Syracuse, but, um, could get called up if they need, uh, a spot starter. Um, and they've been using him as a long reliever type role, but, you know, Rojas was, um, clear that, they wouldn't mind using him in either of the relief or starting role. And, and obviously he has experience starting and um, he's not old either. You know, he's been, he's been around for a while, but I think he's only 29 turning 30 soon. Um, so definitely an interesting guy. I mean, he's had solid seasons in the past where he's, you know, around like a, a three, eight, nine ERA. And that, that's very solid. Um, obviously his last year in Seattle was um, not very good. And then he moved on to Boston where he, um, pitch most of the season in the minors. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Just that, you know, another spring training name to keep a, keep an eye on for sure. Now you have, I know our buddy Mike Mayer uh, over at Metsmerized, he brought up a point on Twitter. I, I don't know if it was Saturday night or Sunday morning where, um, Matt's, Stephen Matt should be the presumed, I guess, number four ahead of Porcello and Waka in whatever order you want to put those two in. And I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think Steven Matz is finally coming into his own. I think he's shown that it can, he can be an above-average pitcher for extended periods of time here. But I really like what Porcello's shown so far. Um, you know, control's always been his game. He's not going to blow you away. And I think as long as he's locating his pitches, man – we technically, I think you have three number threes from three through five. And I think Stroman certainly stands out above Matt's and Porcello and even Waka, who's looked very good this, this spring. Um, I, I really like what Porcello brings. That's, that's a four A, four B in my mind. Uh, do you see this rotation, Jacob, going 
whether it's a six man rotation, whether it's your opener, whether it's kind of flip flopping roles. I mean, I know that Louis Rojas has said that he's not committing to anything yet. Roles are the furthest things from, from their minds right now, but they're almost getting to that point where they kind of have to make a decision. Um, do you see them going outside the box? Do you see a traditional swingman in Michael Waka? W- which way are we going here? <laughs> to me, if the season starts tomorrow and you have to set a five-man rotation, um, it's Mats and Porcello in the four and five spot. And I'll be the first to say I'm, I'm not a huge Rick Porcello fan, um, but you can do a lot worse than him as your fifth starter. Um, so... I'm pretty confident in saying that um, Stephen Matz has the fourth spot locked down just considering he's been in that role for uh, quite a, a few seasons now um, and is the, the most familiar to the organization um, and obviously the youngest. Um, so it, I, I don't really see Waka as of, as of now, and of course this is, um, you know, barring any injury or, or what whatever, um, but I, I don't really see where Waka fits into the starting rotation. Um, but I could certainly see him being used in a, you know, two innings every three days kind of thing. Um, and I mean, it's certainly valuable to have a guy who can go multiple innings out of the bullpen. We've seen it with Seth Lugo, a former starter who um, has the ability to go two, even three if necessary. Um, it's It's just a weird situation where you hear, Porcello and Waka talk after games and neither of them seem to have any doubt that they're, and, and Matt's too, none of the three have any doubt that, um, that they're, uh, they're going to be in the starting rotation come opening day. So, uh, I'm kind of, you know, I have my popcorn ready to, uh, to, to hear how this rotation ends up shaking out. But, you know, it's a long season and things are going to happen. You're going to need more than five guys. So to have Waka there is, is, uh, you know, certainly not a bad thing. Oh, definitely not. And um, yeah, I, I do like that Waka's he's gone multiple innings every time he's gone out so far this spring, and he's been effective. He's one earned run over seven and two thirds. Um, he, his control's been a little iffy. He says four walks over that span, but he's showing. You know, he, he is who he is. And um, yeah, I think it's having that ability to stretch him out if you have to, throw him in there, and you know piggyback off a starter who maybe had a rough night, uh, take a little pressure off your bullpen. However they want to use him, they can. And, uh, you know, team player seems to be the kind of mantra that's been building around this team for the last couple of years. We heard Dom Smith talk about it uh, this week. He was talking with um, Moose and Maggie on FAN. Really fun show. I haven't really got into it a lot, but really cool, cool, cool little segment. Um. And, you know, Dom, I'm going to paraphrase again because I'm just completely unprepared on Sunday night. Uh, you know, he's willing if, you know, if there's 26 guys on the roster. Everyone's going to have their jobs to do. And if he's going to come in as a pinch hitter, if he's going to come in as a defensive replacement at first base, whatever the case is, he's happy to do that because it's going to help the Mets achieve their goal. And I think if you have every guy on the roster kind of buying into that, special things can happen. And, you know, for Michael Walker, who came here and, you know, by his account, he came here under the, uh, under the, the, I guess, auspicious that he, uh, I got that word wrong, uh, under the impression that he's going to be a, um, a starter. However, that shakes out, you know, that might be a tough break for him, but 
hey, if you're contributing to a winning ball club, it's really not so bad. <laughs> you know, um, he's here on a one-year deal. Who's that, Walker or Priscilla? Walker. Yes, one year. Yeah, so, you know, go out there, show that you can pitch, and you want to be a starter again, go be a starter again. But, uh, you know, the, the, the surplus of arms is not, it's not a bad thing. That, that's, it's, that's certainly, uh, it's gotta be the bottom line here. And, you know, if this is, uh, if it's gonna make, if it's gonna keep the train moving, that's a, that's a great thing. But we shall see. Now, are you concerned at all with the, um, early, early, uh, spring woes of guys like, um, you know, Pete Alonzo, uh, Michael Conforto, Ahmed Rosario. I mean, you could look around and see Brandon Nimmo and, and, and Jake and, uh, Jeff McNeil, you know, just, just hitting the cover off the ball, but you have some important pieces that are, you can say starting slow. Um, any concern there or plenty of time to get things on track? No, absolutely. I, you know, I don't, I don't think it, it would be rash, rational to, uh, to be concerned. I mean, you know, guys, guys go through streaks and this streak just happens to be happening in, in spring training when the games don't count. And I'd rather them get the kinks out now than, uh, when they do count. So, um, yeah, I mean, and, you know, Alonzo had an, an RBI double today. Um, and, he hit 53 home runs last year. I'm sure he'll be fine. <laughs> uh, you have to be encouraged by what Brandon Nimmo's doing so far. Sure. I mean, you know, last season was, I'm, you know, frustrating for our, us as, as, you know, people who are watching these games and following the team, but I'm sure even more frustrating for him with the, the, the neck issues and, um, the time that he missed. And when he came back in September, he was fantastic. Um, and, uh, you know, was not that long ago, just 2018, his last full season, where he was one of the, the top hitters in the National League by, uh, by most metrics. So, um, excited that, that he's gonna be, or should be, um, from the start, 100% healthy and, and back at the top of the lineup. And, um, you know, we, we've yet to see elite Nemo and elite McNeil, um, in the same lineup for an extended period of time. So, um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun lineup to watch, um, if everyone is playing to their their true potential. So, um, yeah, but but Nimmo getting back in there and, and leading off is uh, certainly huge. Oh sure, and then you have guys like um, you know, if you have elite Nimmo and elite McNeil and a rapidly progressing Ahmed Rosario at the bottom of the lineup, kind of keeping everything moving. Um, that ends, it just, it adds a really exciting dynamic. It's almost like this, uh, this lineup is almost relentless if everyone's kind of in their groove. And there's going to be slumps, but, um, yeah, very, very, very excited for what's to come. For sure. Um, there's been, uh, I guess a number of, uh, Mets minor leaguers in camp, a couple who've already kind of, um, uh, they've already, you know, made their, made their impressions and been sent back to minor league camp, but, um, there have been a few standouts of the Mets minor leaguers uh, this spring. Would you care to elaborate on what we've seen so far? Guys like Andre Semenes, um, Patrick Mazika caught my eye. But um, what have we got cooking? Yeah, I mean, Jimenez is, is the big one in terms of uh, prospects in camp. Um, you know, he uh, more known for his glove than the bat. The bat is certainly no slouch, but um, the glove – and his legs, the, 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 that's his calling card. Um, and it's been as, as advertised, 
Um, really fun to watch him play shortstop. He looks so smooth. Um, range and, and accurate throws and um, coming in on balls and, and uh, you know, handling a high hops and um, double plays, all of it. He, he just looks fantastic. Um, so it, it's, it's a big year for him. Um, now that he's on the 40-man roster, it's, it's kind of like uh, this is um, the closest he's been to, to making a, a major league impact. And you know, for a while, it's felt like he's very far away. But, um, you know, he'll be in AAA this year, and, and he's just one step away from, from the majors. So um, I think you could maybe make a case that Jimenez is, could be pushing for a, a bench spot. Um, but given that he's, you know, in, in the – the top prospect lane and not the depth lane. You, you kind of would like to to see him um, get his feet wet in AAA and, and get to a uh, um, you know a, a higher level of his, his skill and, and talent and, and uh, realizing his his potential before you call him up. You don't want a top prospect wasting away on the bench. So um, Jimenez has certainly looked great. Um, Mizika, like you mentioned, is uh, you know hitting over 350 in a, in a small sample size. Um, but yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's interesting to see a lot of the guys come through and, and get playing time. I mean, a lot of guys who are not even in camp uh, technically are getting playing time. I mean, we saw um, on Sunday Ronnie Mauricio uh, got an at bat and, and singled the opposite way, um, and he's you know only 18 playing in uh, in, in major league camp. So. Um, yeah, it's just cool to see see the guys come in and uh, and make an impression. Some of them playing on on TV for the first time. Um, it's definitely fun to watch. How about Fargus? I know he caught my eye with the cycle the other day. Uh, Neshwi. Yeah. thank you. Joneshwi Fargus. Yeah, he's interesting because he's not. Um, he, he was a minor league free agent signing, so he he's has never been in the Mets organization. He's he's only been with the Giants in his career. Um, and he's seems like what the scouting report was on him coming in. I mean, there was no, um, no hype around his signing at all. Like, you know, there, I mean, there never is for a minor league signing, but, um, it seemed like for him, it was, it was all legs, uh, stole 50 bases last year in, uh, in double a, um, didn't really know what he could do with the bat, but he's been hitting well. I mean, hit 280 and uh, 25 at bats is, is pretty solid and, like you mentioned, the cycle was pretty improbable. I mean, for anyone to hit for the cycle in spring training is crazy because how often do guys get four at-bats in a game um, to, to be able to do that, but let alone someone like like Fargus, who's not known as a power hitter, to, to be able to pick up the, the homer. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he's probably going to be depth in in, uh, in Binghamton. Um, probably... Uh, don't don't really know if he's AAA ready or if that's what they see him as, but um, I guess anything's possible. But uh, he definitely has a cool name, and uh, you know we we love those. Oh yeah, definitely. Now Eduardo Nunez, um, he's had a nice, very nice little spring. Um, he brings a veteran presence. He's a he, he's a World Series champion. Um, do you see him cracking the roster over, let's say, like a Luis Guillorme? Because I think we can pretty much rule out Jed Lowry at this point. But um, as kind of like your utility man, um, do you see Nunez getting a look over Guillorme? And Guillorme plays – I think you made this point on Twitter. Guillorme plays shortstop, and Nunez really doesn't. Uh, I think that might be the deciding factor. But if, if Nunez keeps hitting, man, it's going to be a tough, tough decision. 
Yeah, I, you know, and I actually think there's certainly a, a non-zero percent chance of, of the scenario where both Guillaume and Nunez are on the roster um, come opening day. I mean, I think we can pretty much rule out Johannes Cespedes for opening day at this point. He has, you know, he's not running, uh, he hasn't been running the bases yet uh, and, you know, definitely not playing in games. Uh, so I think we can rule Cespedes out for opening day. That opens one spot. Um, and we can rule out Chad Lowry because he's not playing either and no one's really knows what his status is and he has that brace on his, his legs. So, um, I think those two spots kind of open up the, um, the path for both Guillaume and Nunez to, to potentially make the roster. Um, and it'd be interesting for Nunez. I mean, he's, he's not, um, certainly the, the player he had been earlier in his career. Um, I mean, he was solid maybe three, four years ago. Um, last year he really struggled and ended up getting released after he, uh, he played about 60 games with the Red Sox. Um, but you know, he can play second base, probably third if he needs to. Um, and obviously he was a, a shortstop earlier in his career. So, um, yeah, I, I actually see, um, uh, certainly a scenario where, where both Guillaume and, and Nunez are, are on the roster as the, the backup infielders along with, uh, you know, Dom Smith and Jake Merzvick able to play the outfield and, and Nito as the backup catcher. I think that's pretty much your bench. You'd have to think that, uh, maybe a three man catcher would be the only other option if you're going to stick to the, for, um, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and do you think Rivera gets the nod over, over Sanchez? You'd have to assume, right? Yeah. I, yeah. Ali Sanchez is, is not. Um, really major league ready with, uh, with his bat and, and, um, we've seen a lot of good stuff from Rene Rivera in the past, but, um, yeah, I don't really see them taking three catchers. It's certainly possible, um, and doable now that you can carry five guys on your bench without sacrificing, uh, someone in your bullpen. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, Nito, and we've talked about his situation on, uh, on previous shows. He's, he's, yeah. uh, pretty much guaranteed to, to be the backup. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, his defense certainly affords him that spot. I'd love to see his bat pick up a little bit, but um, that comes in spurts with, with Nito. He, he's, a, he's a bit of a streaky guy, and when he gets in the little groove, um, you know, we see it, and he gets he had a couple of big hits last season. But, uh, you know, hopefully he can stretch out those good times. But just one of the many uh, interesting storylines as spring training rolls on. Jacob, you're in Port, you're in Port St. Lucie through Wednesday? Through Wednesday, yeah, and uh, <laughs> wish it would be longer, but I uh, got to enjoy enjoy the time you're down here. Now, um, you're going to be, you know, checking out backfields and stuff. You're going to be so everybody, please, if you're not following Jacob already, <laughs> follow him on Twitter, Jacob underscore Resnick, R E S N I C K. Uh, you know, reports from from Port St. Lucie throughout the week, uh, and of course, you know, just top notch content. Otherwise. Uh, yeah, Quinnipiac is, uh, is in full swing, aren't they? Yeah, they um they were actually down at, at Mississippi State this weekend, which is um well, I mean they did get swept because Mississippi State is you know a top twenty team in the nation, but um just to be able to have uh, an opponent like that on your schedule is uh is pretty big. Um and actually they almost had them in in the middle game of the series. They they uh, Quinnipiac was up one uh up one going into the the bottom of the ninth and they ended up blowing the lead, but 
Yeah, you know, just, uh, exciting to to be able to play against some of the top teams in the country coming from a, a small Connecticut school. Uh, 2019 match draft pick Jake Mangum is uh yeah is a, yeah he's he's like a superstar down there, right? Oh, he and I tell people this um, when I'm ex- when I'm explaining what Jake Mangum is, I I uh, explain it as if um you know you go down to Mississippi and you give them the opportunity to meet Mike Trout or Jake Mangum. Um, yeah, everyone down there is going to say Jake Mangum. He, I mean, they call him the, the mayor of uh, the mayor of Starkville. So um, that's awesome. Yeah, that, that that is some comparison, and that's that's wild. They'd rather yeah. meet Jake. That's awesome. It, yeah, it, it, it's it's um, wild down there. Yeah, he's going to be um, uh, single white this year. You think? Yeah, I mean, he's he's the type of guy who. Um, could probably get pushed straight from Brooklyn to, to St. Lucie. Um, I mean, he's a pretty advanced, uh, hitter and, and his glove is, is, I, I've said time and again, he's the best defensive outfielder in the, in the Mets system right now. Um, so he could probably go to St. Lucie. The only thing is, um, obviously being a, a guy from the, uh, the SEC, going down to Columbia would be, uh, would be a, a big, uh, boon to the, the locals down there. So. Um, could certainly see that happening where he goes to Columbia for a little bit, but, um, yeah, he's, he's, I mean, and he's an older guy too, so he definitely kind of needs to start moving to, through the system before, uh, before it's too late. Yeah, most definitely. I, I'm curious to see, um, how far his glove takes him. I know his bats, no, you know, his offensive side is not, it's nothing to shake a stick at, but, um, it's, uh, yeah, you know, he's, his, he's right now, it, it's like his, to me, his his um, likely outcome is a backup outfielder, and I think that's perfectly fine for um, you know a senior draft pick um, coming out of college. Um, certainly, there's opportunity for more, but um, you know, kind of in like the the Kirk Newenheis, Matt Dendecker, those those kind of guys who were known for their glove and came up and, and carved a role on the on the team for a little bit. So um, I'm thinking, yeah. I'm thinking Jake Marisnik. Yeah, that that too. Um, yeah. And you know, obviously the first the first name uh, is uh, helps the comparison, but uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely you know, glo- glove speed, then bat. Um, but you know, people forget Mangum is the all time SEC hit leader, so um, right. it's not like it's not like he's somebody uh, at the plate. Yeah, yeah, he's there's certainly no slouch. Uh, but yeah, man, um, you know, things are coming together. The storylines are building for the rest of the season. Everyone's kind of uh, jockeying for position, whether it's not on the major league roster. It's, you know, how, how much uh, momentum they head into their own respective minor league camps with. It's an exciting time. And uh, what do we have? Just, uh, I guess, just a shade over two weeks until opening day. So It's coming. It's coming. Yeah. Oh, I'm psyched, man. All right. Well, I think we've uh, we've touched all our bases for this episode. Going to be back later in the week with a, uh, a very special guest, um, a former uh, Mets front office member, director of baseball uh, operations, uh, Adam Fisher. Um, I believe Mike Mayer is going to be on the show with us. And, uh, yeah, we're going to have some fun. We're going to talk about what the uh, what life in the front office is like. But, uh, Jacob, any anything besides uh, your coverage from, from PSL this week you got to get coming out? Uh, no, just, just keep, uh, keep it, um, tuned to Metsmerize. Um, hoping to have a few more stories from, uh, from my time down here. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's a good time for, 
for coverage, but I think we're all tired of, of writing the, um, the, uh, the, you know, what's, what's the team going to look like? Who's going to be in the rotation? We're, we're kind of, we're tired of writing those articles. We need to, we need to get to the regular season. Oh, Jacob, we just went through a whole winter of talking about what if. I'm just happy to write about actual stuff right now. For sure. All right, man. All right, everybody. Um, you know how it is. Subscribe, review, rate, all those good things. And we will see you next time. Let's go Mets. <laughs>